Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Has a coach ever settled into the SEC quicker than Mike Leach? Why did it take so damn long to get this guy down here? Pete Thamel. My God, do I want to disagree with Pat at some point here. <laughs> and SI's Pat Forty. Just bottomless thanks to Chris Mack for re-injecting a little piss and vinegar in the most hated, heated rivalry in college basketball. Don't even try to give me Duke, North Carolina. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. 32 games as I speak right now are slated to be played in week five of the college football season. I believe thus far, whatever number I come up with is not the actual number by the time Saturday rolls around or even by the time we're done taping this thing. But right now, looking good. 32 games. One canceled so far this this week. That's it. Not bad. So far, yeah. so good. Spreading the love to the NFL. Yeah, <laughs> NFL. I think they're postponed a little bit. We'll see. Notre Dame is on by. They have 25 guys in isolation. Looks like they had a bad meal. Brian Kelly said they had dinner, team dinner. It probably wasn't a good time. No, probably Pro- not a good idea. No. Throughout our entire time together, we have not had one meal where we sat down together. Everything was grab and go. But we got into our game situation. We have pregame meal together, and that cost us big. We had somebody who was asymptomatic, and it spread like wildfire through our meeting area where we're eating, and then it got guys in contact tracing. So there's your lesson. Don't eat together. No. I mean, (laughs) do nothing together other than practice and play, basically, you know? And that the thing that they're lucky they're on a bye week this week, and they probably wouldn't be able to play again. They they missed the game last week with Wake Forest, and Notre Dame has made some, some major concessions to try to play this football season. And things have not exactly gone perfectly. You know, they joined a league for the first time in 133 years. They had an outbreak that shut down campus, but they went back to practicing, even though all other student organizations had shut down. And uh, and then they get nailed with this. And then the, 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 the president of the university, John Jenkins, goes to the... Uh, Amy Coney Barrett, is it? John Jenkins goes to the thing for her and doesn't isn't wearing his mask after he has been reading the riot act mm-hmm. and the disciplinary measures to students about you got to wear your mask at all time. And so there, all of a sudden, there's a uh, a movement to have him ousted as president. There, I don't think it's going to work, but still, mm. interesting there, times at Notre Dame. 
Kelly had another theory. This one's just gross. A Notre Dame player threw up on the sideline during the game. Yeah. And then was treated for dehydration, and then he tested positive. Yeah. So might have been people aren't in shape, right? So if you're not in shape and you play a football game and you're not in football shape, you're going to throw up. So it makes sense. Uh, this all, unfortunately, reaffirms Dan's genius. I mean, months ago, Dan said, you know, That's Notre right. Dame has no chance of winning the season because it's behind in the Fauci Cup. And this is what happens when you're behind in the Fauci Cup. The season comes and you aren't ready to play. So hat tip to Dan, who, who saw this coming. Our listeners knew months ago where this was all coming from. Yeah. That's it. I think the SEC schools got everybody in a small room, got them all drunk, and they all puked. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody got sick at once. I, the Fauci Cup stand, it's like the rivals' rankings. It's not going to be a perfect <laughs> A to A comparison. But, it, it you know, you want to be in that top five. <laughs> it, it's a tough road when you're Boise State, and that's what Notre Dame's trying to be here. A lot of three stars, Fauci Cup three stars. I don't think they're going to beat the SEC five stars. Yeah. Get that Fauci Cup ranking up there, Notre Dame. They're they're making. I'll say this though, that's a they're they're gaining ground. So yeah. better better late than never. They, 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 maybe they even tried to time it with their bye week. You know who knows? <laughs> might have. All right, so we got that puking Notre Dame players may have infected the team. And now they vow to eat separately, which really just seemed like something they should have thought of earlier. Yeah, All right, thanks. here's the uh, two two really good games this weekend, or two ranked games. We have Auburn and Georgia, right? Oldest rivalry in the South. That's their little claim to fame. It's usually later in the year, but not. Here we are. Number seven, Auburn's playing Georgia. And then the other one I want to, we'll talk about both, but the one I want to talk about first is number two, Alabama, hosting number 13, Texas A&M. Uh, I'm still angry at Alabama for allowing that backdoor cover last week. <laughs> so I'm going to prop up A&M. Now, um, Has we talked, sent you a note apologizing, Dan? I have not gotten a you know, bottle of wine, something. Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely callous treatment. <laughs> Send you a little uh, Debbie. Yeah, a little De a Diet Coke bottle. I mean, he's got Something. plenty or whatever he's, he's got. A Coke. I think he's a straight. It's the same bottle of Coke for like the last 10 years. There's no way he can Oh, yeah. Something. No, no, no. It's the same bottle of Coke and the same, I think, Dasani water. You know, it's the, the Coca-Cola product. Coca-Cola water. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We talked Monday on the Overaction Monday about Mike Leach's signature victory. And this is what every coach stepping in to a new job wants, that signature victory that says, hey, Things are different here. We're going to win. We're going to be big time. All of that. And Leach got it done in day one with Mississippi State. We are now in year three of the Jimbo Fisher era at Texas A&M. $75 million contract. He doesn't really have that signature victory. Now, there was the epic overtime victory over LSU, which was best known for... <laughs> His nephew, <laughs> Cole Fisher, punching Steve Cragglethorpe, a uh, old coach at LSU in the in the pacemaker <laughs> after the game, and then then having to take on Kevin Falk in a in a in a field fight. Remember that? I mean, oh, oh it's yeah. like eight overtimes and a brawl, including a <laughs> pacemaker punched. <laughs> and at that moment, that was a good victory for AM over LSU. And I thought, here's the momentum. But we haven't had it. That was it. And that was not quite the same uh, deal. 
And so AM has recruited well since Fisher got there, but we're in year three. Uh, I don't know if they can pull this off. They're 17 point dogs. They still, but there's a, there should be good young talent in the program. I did two straight six, sixth ranked recruiting classes. But I guess you wonder is what what's going on at AM and can Fisher, Jimbo Fisher, who won a won a national title at FSU, but then left an absolute pile of of uh, clearly just a train wreck on his way out uh, after he threw his Christmas tree on the curb when the great and <laughs> remember that one too. Fisher's great. Oh, yeah. I mean, no. They, how do we you're, know? You're, no comment on whether he's leaving the job, but he just threw his Christmas tree out. <laughs> Remember that? It was sitting on the curb. Yeah. Like, I that think was... he might be moving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're reciting the podcast greatest hits here with the, the pacemaker <laughs> punch and the, the, the Jimbo Fisher Christmas tree. Yeah, this, this, this is all podcast gold. So uh, interesting game. It is. You're, I mean, you're totally right, Dan. It, it's like past time <clears throat> for Jimbo to earn his money and for Texas A&M to do something. You know, if you look at the two programs, Alabama always lives up to expectations. Texas A&M never lives up to expectations, at least since the Johnny Manziel first year in 2012, when everybody looked like, oh, my gosh, it's like, oh, look out for Texas A&M and the SEC. Here they come. There's been no carryover from that. That was a blip. And, uh, yeah, now what, what A&M is is a pretty good team that loses to the teams that are better than that are ranked higher than them and beats the unranked teams. That's basically who they are. Uh, Fisher has done nothing to elevate them yet. Their opener, gosh, was an absolute mess against Vanderbilt. They barely beat Vanderbilt 17-12, to 12, tried over and over to give that game away, had fumbles and squandered possessions, and uh, uh, that, was, that, that gives you very little confidence, I think, for them going into this game. Uh, they, they do tend to play Alabama in recent years decently. You know, they, they, they don't get blown out. They kind of hang around. They lose by 17 to 20, something like that. Last year was 19. Uh, they don't lose 50 to seven to, to Bama, but they do lose. So, uh, it is, I, it's way past time. I think for Jimbo Fisher to earn some of that, all of that money, that guaranteed money at uh, Texas A&M. I was struck by, uh, how Pat described the Jimbo Fisher era at Texas A&M you know, beating the teams you're supposed to beat. Because in the ACC pre-Dabo's rise, that was actually the way to win the ACC when you're at Florida State. Because <laughs> you are supposed to beat everybody. You have better <laughs> players than everybody. You're favored to win every game. And you just pick your teeth with the, uh, you know, with the occasional NC State and whatever. You can, you know, you can dawdle around and end up in a pretty good bowl game every year and then occasionally end up, you know, playing for the national title. All that said, it's been a, it's been a longer slog for for, for Jimbo Fisher, and, and and here's the thing. Now, the Vanderbilt uh, Texas A&M game was not within my cable universe on Saturday. I tried very hard to find it. it. It just did not it did not emerge on any of my uh, on any of my networks. So I, I will say this: I obviously watched some highlights, looked at the statistics. Has Kellen Mond really developed into what we thought he would be? Remember two years ago, they took Clemson to overtime. I want to say it was in week two. Might have been week one. I was in the game in College Station, and Kellen Mond was sort of revelatory. Ooh, Kellen Mond, you know. And I can't recall. I mean, he's had moments since then. But I can't recall him developing at the pace and rate of some of the quarterbacks that Jimbo Fisher brought along, you know, during his uh, during his time at Florida State. 
and really, you know, as a as an offensive coordinator earlier, you know, was at LSU at diff- different points. I, I I would think Kellen Mond has been pedestrian compared to what we hoped and thought he could be. Now there's still a long long road here, and these are the kind of games where you make your reputation, right? You don't do that against Vanderbilt, but you know, considering how they've recruited. You know, they're just like, like, what's the identity right now of Texas A&M un, in, under Jimbo Fisher? Like, they're like, OK, they're just kind of like run of the mill. They're, you know, they're 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 chum for for, for Alabama. They've lost uh, essentially by three touchdowns uh, the, the past two times they, they played them. I just, you know, I really don't think like when I flip on Texas a and like there's nothing that excites me. Like there's nothing like, oh, I can't wait to see your oh, that's you know, extremely, you know, superlative, like they're just kind of a bland program. And when you have paid that much money and thank you, Scott Woodward, who then scooted out of town, kept Will Wade, gave Ed Orger <laughs> on a huge deal. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem like they've gotten much return on investment. No. They had the close loss 28, 26 to uh, Clemson in week right. two yeah. of the, of the first year. And that was really Clemson had a big lead. Uh, they were up 28-13, and they had two late scores to kind of get it close and all that. Didn't they have um, a two-point conversion to two take point, it to overtime? And they missed yeah, it. Two, yeah. They, they no. didn't get it. Yeah, they did. So they, they made a big comeback. That kind of looked like it was going to be a big thing. Last year, 8-5, and five, they have one win over a ranked team, and it was number 25 Oklahoma State in the Texan Bowl or Texas Bowl. That isn't what A&M shooting for. So, you know, to me, A&M has always been this just massively – it's just massive amount of potential. It's just you, when you when I go to College Station, you know, it's not Austin. It's different than Austin. But if you are looking for a college town and you live in the state of Texas and you want to play big time football, it's a good little town. It's centrally located. It's, it's just, you know, it's like it just keep waiting for A&M to finally get banging, because if A&M becomes a power, it would not surprise me one bit. And I don't think it would certainly not surprise anyone with Texas A&M that's spending gazillion dollars on everything there. And obviously you had these moments where you thought, all right, Johnny Manziel is going to be that kickstart. And it doesn't it, with Kevin Sumlin doesn't happen. And now you got you, you bring in Jimbo Fisher, you bring in a national championship coach and you're still waiting. But I just think this is a big game for them. It's not necessarily, you know, I don't know. I don't know what what what's fair. I mean, it's 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 tough to sit there and say, hey, you got to go beat Alabama at Alabama, granted with well, they're going to have some fans, but whatever. This is the type of stuff they should be contending with. And so I think it's a, it's a huge game for A&M and one that certainly be would be really interesting to watch. If they get they get they play like they did against Vanderbilt and get their doors blown off, not good. So I, I think there's a lot at stake here because getting into year three, you should have a lot of development and a lot of progress made. All right. The other one, Georgia Auburn, you know, two top 10 teams, Auburn. Thought looked very good at beating Kentucky last week. I thought we all, I think we all picked Kentucky. I don't know if we all picked Kentucky, but we certainly were we high on high on Kentucky and Auburn was better. You have the annual Gus Malzahn. Is he the right guy here? Should he leave? Like, are, are we loving Gus right now? Are we not loving him? You never know. Uh, week, week to week for Coach Waffle House. <laughs> uh, Georgia, very slow start <laughs> against Arkansas. Not so good. They brought in Stetson Bennett, the fourth. I think I remarked in the group chat, Stetson Bennett sounded like a Manhattan law firm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm under a (laughs) white collar crime. 
Oh, did you hire Stetson Bennett? Oh, well, of course. Well, we go with the finest. Uh, <laughs> I did not think Stetson. Yeah. I did not know much about Stetson Bennett until I was watching that game, but he did pretty well. Uh, but now the challenge is big. So, to, you know, this is to me a it's a ladder game. Uh, Georgia obviously has huge hopes. Auburn maybe less hopes every year for a national title, but this is a, a really quick elimination kind of, maybe not elimination, but a real ladder game early in this SEC season. Pete, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I I mean, it's sort of like snuck, this game's kind of snuck up on us a little bit, I feel like, with, with all the chaos. Like, we finally have what we've wanted, right? We finally have two top 10 teams. You've got two really compelling quarterbacks. You've got Bo Nix and JT Daniels. You have sort of two linchpin uh, SEC coaches, Malzahn and Smart or old hands uh, around that league. Like, this is, you know, this is this is why we're here, right? This is why we're doing what we're doing. So I'm uh, I'm I'm fired up now. This is the night game, though. It's not the three thirty game, correct? Yeah, seven thirty ESPN. Yeah, it's the seven thirty game, which is interesting to me because it's distinctly a better football game and better matchup. And I know Alabama gets better numbers, and that's why it ends up uh, that's why it ends up on that uh, on that on that time slot. But I'm uh, I'm excited uh, to see JT Daniels, right? Because when we last saw him in, uh, he obviously played one game in, in 2019 before uh, before getting injured, a, you know, kind of a pedestrian win over uh, over Fresno. But when we last saw him in like real stretches, he had lost f- four of five games as a starter for USC. Now, USC had plenty of other issues, but, you know. College football, as the years go on and recruiting becomes more magnified, to me, has become more like college basketball. And to me, the hype around JT Daniels is based much more on his high school accolades than his actual performance on the field. He lost to Cal. He lost to Utah, where it was 6 of 16 passing. He lost to UCLA in one of the worst losses of the Clay Helton era. We don't throw that around here and uh, actually played pretty well in a, uh, in a in a loss to Notre Dame to end that 2018 season. So, you know, I- I'm very curious coming off an injury, which means he hasn't had he has had reps, but like probably isn't in per se football shape. What JT Daniels are, are, are we going to see the one Georgia fans are hoping for with their five star matter day visions? Or is this just the reality of. You know, a guy who came through Southern California is older than everybody else, kind of was like the, you know, the best quarterback out there and then really kind of turtled when the lights got bright at uh, at SC. So to me, he's the most compelling player this weekend because, boy, you can get swallowed whole fast and they could be you could get Stetson Bennett pretty quick. And all Stetson Bennett's going to do is hand the ball off. So, you know, J.T. Danos has some diamondism and uh, has some, you know, really exciting attributes, but we have not seen him put it all together yet. Quarterback appears to be the one thing that Georgia doesn't have figured out. There might be some other parts of that offense because, holy moly, were they bad in the first half against uh, a, an Arkansas team that nobody is convinced is going to be appreciably better than they have been. But I think Daniels is certainly better than what Stetson Bennett brings as a high end. Uh, Dwan Mathis was in over his head as a freshman. Uh, he actually got the start in that. And I, I covered the game against Notre Dame in 2018. That was a good Notre Dame team. And I was impressed with JT Daniels in that game. I, I, I thought he was in command. Uh, he was sharp. Uh, he was accurate, took some chances and still made him work. And I, I, you know, I I liked what I saw from him in person there on TV. You know, he said, see, yeah, he was up and down. He was a true freshman. 
You know, this guy was he was 18 years old at that point. So I, I think there's a chance that he steps in and gives them uh, a real lift at quarterback. I don't think there's any doubt, yeah, that Georgia probably has better overall talent. Their defense could be extremely good. They could be they could be the best defense in the country. We'll see how it all shakes out. Alabama's going to be good on that side. Clemson's going to be good on that side. Other teams as well when we get later into the season and they start playing. But they don't have to necessarily be great on offense. But the thing that I enjoyed already this week was Malzahn, after after dressing like Pat Dye for their opener, which I thought was kind of a, a nice uh, tribute to the the late Pat Dye, who sounded more like an SEC football coach than anybody ever has. Um, <laughs> but Malzahn this week came out and Sully, said... Sully, that's a challenge, by the way. Oh, it is. But they, Sprinkle that in, I, Sully. When I used to when I used to listen to the uh, the SEC teleconference weekly when I was the Kentucky beat writer and you get Pat in there saying all all offense all defense and all kicking game have got to all be in sync that was like <laughs> quintessential SEC football for me but anyway so Malzahn gets out this week and says you know Georgia has the best talent in the league and so Kirby gets asked about that and Kirby's <laughs> press conference got his visor pulled down so you can't even see his eyes he's just this this kind of mouth coming out of the shadow under the visor he says well that's what you say when that's the team you're playing this week and next week they'll say that about the next team and that's next week that it'll be the same about the team after that so he said since we're playing Auburn Auburn has the best talent in the league oh classic SEC coaching there uh we'll see how Kirby handles things if he doesn't get his quarterback going because he's a bit of a tightly wound individual and uh there's been enough talk about quarterback play there during his tenure that it would it would greatly behoove him to find, to have JT Daniels come through need a victory it's a big one big one early so what we're getting with a 10 game SEC season no easing into this stuff we'll make picks later all right Mike Leach obviously is feeling a little uh feeling good about himself his tires are pumped up after beating LSU, I don't know if he saw this quote he had about how weird it was to coach in an empty Tiger Stadium. I have to be honest, I haven't quite gotten the hang of the cutout people in the stands, you know. I mean, that's the episode of uh, of Twilight Zone. Some of you guys are here. You guys are probably all too young for Twilight Zone. But I mean, the black and white Twilight Zone where Rod Sterling would get on there with the really creepy voice in the suit. And then all of a sudden, you know, is this real? Is it out of out of space? Is it, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it was uh, it was almost like, uh, you know, haunted houses met uh, science fiction that uh, that show. He was surmising that the fake cutout, the cutout fans that they put in there. <laughs> I thought he had a good point on this. How how is that determined where you get to sit? He he felt bad that some of the fake fans didn't even get good seats. <laughs> that's classic leech <laughs> he thought and he kind of i think he kind of threw it in there like there's a few lsu fans that are like yeah yeah why did i get such a crappy seat to not <laughs> a tremendous what? quote live clean live smart and maybe when you become a fake person you'll get good seats at the lsu game <laughs> Uh, Has a coach ever settled into the SEC quicker than Mike Leach? Why did it take so damn long to get this guy down here? Good question. Ask the balls again. Sully, come on.
I know the the Vol Navy oh, pirate ship flag God. crossover would have been huge. beautiful. Jeremy Pruitt has got a lot of pressure on him because Mike Leach is in town having a lot of fun and winning games <laughs> so far. Yeah. So far. Yeah. We'll He's doing his civic duty and being a boring dunderhead coach from SEC Central Casting, where Mike Leach <laughs> is doing what we all want, just being completely running chaos through Star. There, there is no happier fan base in America than Mississippi State right now. Because like <laughs> even you know, Clemson or Al, they can still sit there and go, We're gonna win the national yeah. title. We're on that's fine. But you're not having as much fun as Mississippi State. You just had a couple years of boredom, and now you're like, we got the funniest guy, and we just beat mm-hmm. LSU, and we, you know, we're gonna start fast, and like, yeah. you, you know, got to tune into the press conference. Uh, oh phenomenal. yeah. All right, and then in more SEC news, because this is the SEC. I don't even know how this is a scandal, but I don't. I'm actually not sure it is, but we're gonna make it one. Sure. Sure. It's an ongoing saga. I won't say scandal. Ongoing saga. Will Muschamp, or I think they're now calling him Will Cusschamp. <laughs> <Ooh, laughs> good one. Good humor down there in South Carolina. Anyway, uh, somehow this uh, video he made a couple years back that was like a in-house promotional shot by the athletic department to try to get hype up Gamecock fans at home games. Uh, I guess he jokingly around states... Uh, it's time for Carolina football, so get the f- out of your seats. Spurs up. Now, that never played and was never out publicly until somebody leaked the video. And, uh, oh, my God, a football coach said the F word. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sorry, but the SEC, if you're, the SEC likes to talk about how tough they are, we take it boys. How are you? How is this even a thing? Uh, oh, my not- God. Our football coach swore once to be funny. <laughs> Dan, That's- the only time you're allowed to drop the F-bomb in the SEC is when you're dropping it on a ref who's cheating your team. <laughs> <laughs> or one of your players who isn't trying hard enough to make the Gamecock Nation proud. That's the only time you're allowed to cuss. So... He then gets asked about it at a press conference, uh, which he does not take kindly to. So you got to uh, play that clip. Yeah, that, let's play that, that. clip was just all timer. That brief video clip that made the rounds this past weekend. Why would I know you'd ask that? Huh? It was an outtake between me and Justin King. Okay. And if I offended anybody, I apologize. All right. But it was between me and another guy. And why in the world would I know you would ask this question? Well, they said you were going to address it after the game, but I figured you weren't in the in the right mood for that. But still not in the right mood. But I appreciate you bringing it up. Yeah. And again, I, I apologize if I offend anybody. It's between two people. It was never meant to be public. It was between two people, and somebody obviously thought they were going to be cute and put it out there so Phil Cornbrook could ask a question. Tiger Phil strikes again. <laughs> My question was, do you know who put it? How it got out? No, but I, I'm looking forward to finding out. My other question was... Did you put it out, Phil? Did you get a hold of it? No, sir. It was not me. But my question was, if it's somebody inside your organization who did that, how would you, how would you feel about that person? I probably couldn't say it in this press conference. I don't want to use that language again, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me, let me break down the great moments at SEC Coach <laughs> Press Conference here. Yeah. We have the fake apology... <laughs> 
if I offended anybody, which is basically yeah. like, if you're such a wuss bag, you're offended by this, <laughs> F you. <laughs> then you have the hostility to the local media. Oh, yeah. And and the, the persecution, like this is the White House press corps wiping you <laughs> out here. <laughs> then you uh, call him Tiger Phil, the yeah, Clemson Tiger. Accuse him yeah. of being a Clemson fan, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The biased South Carolina media. Uh-huh. I thought <laughs> We've the heard media those was tales so... for years, haven't we? <laughs> the Clemson people always thought the media there was pro South Carolina. <laughs> now they're pro Tiger. Tiger Phil. How about that? Uh, and then wait, I forgot. Well, I forgot what the and, and then he accuses. He 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 basically says there will be bodily harm if we can find the leaker. That's the real villain around here is the leaker. <laughs> All that in one minute for a bad football coach and a bad football pro. Well, an average football coach. I'll give him an average. Mm. All right. If you if you wanted to like uh, you know all these like emergency PR people who do all this image consulting, if you wanted like one thirty second clip like to explain everything you can do wrong publicly as a coach, that pretty much was summed up in that Will Muschamp thing right there. You almost he is like so awkward and so offensive and just so out of touch. Like you almost think like, are you just trying to get fired, Will? Like, are you like trying to go viral? Or are you trying to distract from your team? face planning in the second half against Tennessee. Like, like, like I can understand him being irritated, but all he would have to do is say, hey, Tiger Phil, no comment. And then it's just like, go away. It said, like, you could tell, like, you can see the veins, like, popping out of his face in the clip. And it's just like, it's just like, man, if you took that much energy and passing to action and passion in actually hiring a competent offensive coordinator for once in your entire career, well, you may have ended up in a better place. Wow. <laughs> wow. Jeez. Pete trampling on the prone body of <laughs> will will cuss champ how about that uh, I, I i will say this and and i i don't fundamentally disagree with anything pete said but if i am must champ i am saying that the leak of that is clearly somebody that wants me out the, the coaches are paranoid i mean ridiculously comically paranoid and must champ's no different than anybody there but I think all of a sudden that thing filters out after you've lost your season opener and you kicked a field goal when you were down seven inside of the last five minutes. Uh, Somebody wants you out because there can't be that many people that knew about that video. And all of a sudden it's out there in the public domain. That's this is when you get into the the realm of, oh, well, did you hear about what's going on off the field? You know, stuff like that. When people start spreading rumors and spreading dirt to make the head coach look bad. He's 26 and 26. Yeah. I think just be patient. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You have to really release. And he's about to play a 10-game SEC schedule. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't think we need – I just – this. That is what my, that's the straw that will tip it. That's the, that's the tipping point. I uh, know it Get shouldn't be. Get out of your seats. No, it shouldn't be. But you know I how think things work in $13.4 million. I don't think dropping the F-bomb in a, like a promotional video as a joke is going to turn into firing for cause. But if someone tried to do it that way, that would be like one of the all-time great SEC conspiracies. He's not going to have to worry about Gamecock fans leaving their seats after getting their ass kicked all season. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is that. <laughs> Doesn't have to play Clemson either this year. Yeah, right. There's a, I, I, I can't lose to Clemson this year. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I found that one to be highly overblown. 
But uh, then he he really added. That's the I think they just need to kind of he's got to chill. Like he's got to be like, you know, just go with the go with the joke on it. Should have turned it on Tiger Phil. Were you offended, Tiger Phil? Hey, give Tiger Phil credit for standing in the pocket pretty coolly there, though. He kept asking. Yeah. He kept he got his questions yeah. asked. You know, he made news. It became yeah. a big story. And he got his questions asked. I mean, what else are you going to talk about when it comes to? South Carolina football right now. Yeah. Other right. than the video gate. Yeah. <laughs> Will Cuschamp. What one more bit on the SEC. <laughs> God love this league. God love it. <laughs> it just keeps providing. <laughs> SEC uh coaches call, media call this week. So, you know, they get on the they used to now everything's like this basically, but Everybody can dial in and you can ask coach coaches the question. They come on for about eight minutes. Uh, Lane Kiffin was on <laughs> Ole Miss coach Lane Kiffin. And uh, uh, we have toilet gate. We have flush gate. Oh, a lot of gates this week. <laughs> uh, many media are reporting they heard a toilet flush <laughs> during <laughs> Lane Kiffin's appearance on the coach's call. Oh. Is there any doubt in anyone's mind that Lane Kiffin was on the on the throne? <laughs> doing the the coach the the media call with this surprise and i don't even have to i don't even know this is a mystery i don't think we need a people's court it but no no I'll, I'll i'll lay odds of one to five that he was on the throne and three to five that he flushed on purpose on the yes. on the teleconference yeah and you don't even need a brave soul like tiger phil to ask him about it he would certainly volunteer like <laughs> no pun intended um yeah that is uh I don't, that is, is that this is, even bad form i mean you're multitasking it's the media call it's not like you're on with a recruit's mom or something <laughs> that would be not good yeah you know. right like you just uh hey coach uh this is uh jimmy wilson from the uh Oxford arkansas, Eagle. Yeah, arkansas democrat gazette uh how do you think your <laughs> linebacker play is going <laughs> well, Jimmy, flush. <laughs> well, would be a that, pretty good comment on his linebacker that, that play. That did describe too. their defense against Florida yeah, this weekend. That's a good point. So, that's a good point. I'll say this: Lane doesn't look that good right now. I, I saw him pop up on Feinbaum the other day. I've seen a couple of headshots. Seen him on the sideline. Old Lane, uh, old Lane hasn't found any Pilates classes there in uh, in Oxford. <laughs> oh, he's he's not looking. He is not looking stout. Wow. He's, he's filled out. That's yeah, for sure. Man. That's that's body shitty groceries. Shitty groceries now. become his nightly meal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In his defense, I spent a week in the South recently and probably put on twenty five pounds. I turned into a carb, so it's not hard <laughs> in Oxford. No, it's not hard. No, <laughs> it'll get you. It'll get but, you down there. Little college basketball here. Yeah, Chris Mack, Louisville coach, released a, <laughs> released his own video the other day, <laughs> where he's just sitting there, basically. I don't know what he's doing. He's not really berating John Calipari at Kentucky, but he's clearly just quite perturbed at Coach Cal for the scheduling issues with the UK game. I'm going to leave it to our Kentucky expert because I quite honestly have not followed all the details of whether they're going to play December 12th or December 26th or why this is such a big deal. But Coach Mack and Coach Cal not getting along right now. Pat, what do you got here? Um, I have... I have just bottomless thanks to Chris Mack for re-injecting a little piss and vinegar in the most hated, heated rivalry in college basketball. Don't even try to give me Duke, North Carolina. Uh, yes, it's better. It's been played at a higher level, but 
the fans, they may think they care. They don't care like Kentucky and Louisville fans. So this gets us back to where things have usually been and quite frankly should be, where it's absolute one side putting on the brass knuckles and going after the other side, and then the other side saying, fine, I'll bring out my switchblade. Uh, And so that's what we got here. So, yeah, Kentucky and Louisville trying to get this game scheduled. Everything is total chaos, of course, in basketball scheduling because of the pandemic, and they're cutting down on a number of of non-conference games. But this is one game that has to be played. Like a year's time, apparently, so I was told – this game, they they had tried to get it on December 12th, and they actually had an agreement, and there was going to be a contract drawn up, and then Kentucky came back and said, wait a minute, no, it's gonna, that's too close to when we're coming back from London. We're playing Michigan over there, jet lag, blah, 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 blah. We don't want to play you guys then. No, they didn't. They originally didn't want to play December 26th because it's the day after Christmas. Uh, it's complicated. It's, you know, the players aren't going to be able to go home for Christmas, that sort of thing. So that was out. So the pandemic hits and Louisville's like, hey, we don't want to play our home game in front of nobody and then go next year and play in front of the usual 23,000 at Rupp. So can we can we play a neutral site? Cincinnati, Nashville, I don't know, Frankfurt, you could play just in a gym somewhere in the state of Kentucky. Kentucky's like, no, we're not doing it. So now Mac is mad. They still don't have anything official for the date yet. They're, they're, they're thinking it's going to be t- December 26th. But then Cal, Mac, Mac kind of airs some of the grievances on a podcast. Cal comes back then and says, you know, if they don't want to play, okay, that's fine. You know, we'll play somebody else. We've already got a team lined up. And that's what led us to the great theatrical two-minute napalming from Chris Mack of John Calipari, where at several points in time he says, you know, we want to do whatever is most convenient for John. And I have to say that the, the delivery from Mac in this is is pretty good. It's just, it is acidic. It is sarcastic. It is tart. And uh, it definitely cranks up the bile back to where it should be in the rivalry. It was uh, it was good stuff. I was reading Pat's column last night and I could hear him like, <laughs> like through the whole, like through the whole thing, like he was clearly giddy about about this little uh, saber rattling in his uh, in his home state. I oh, yeah. am uh, I am always for coaches openly and outwardly hating each other. I am all for public clashes. I am all for airing of grievances. I am all for unadulterated tension. All right, like we need more of it. All these coaches hate each other. You guys know you spend way too many hours on your phone in your life talking to coaches. They all hate the other coaches. They never want to say they hate the other coaches. So good on Chris Mack. He hates John Calipari. He thinks John Calipari is petty and egomaniacal and difficult. And he said it. He said it all. He said it clearly. It was wonderful. Tremendous delivery. Great. I thought it was great, too. And yeah, the Louisville coach and the Kentucky coach aren't supposed to like each other. No. No, and that that was the worst part about the end of the Patino era was where they pretended to like each other when they absolutely hated each other. Cal and Patino, I mean, hated each other. And at the very end, they're they're trying to pretend they're getting along. It was it was so fake. Let's get back to what's real, and this is very real. They don't like each other. Yeah, and do you know what? It adds adds some uh, spunk to the game. Yeah, what was it? Um, absolutely. 
You know, I kind of felt bad for Mac when it ended because I started to think about what may happen to Louisville when the NCAA comes through and just touch <laughs> their soul. You know what I mean? Like uh, yeah, that's that could true. that and that's coming. I think sooner than later. You probably have a better feel for timeline on that, Pat. Um, you know, I'm sure the entire city and athletic department there is in the fetal position, waiting for uh, waiting for that. You know, seemingly well earned uh, NCAA scrutiny that's coming, but like it could get really dark there for years, right? Oh yeah. No, that's that's the thing. Is you're, you you could you you're talking you're 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 rattling the saber today, and in twenty one twenty two you may not have much of a program. So, and you're still going to have to play Kentucky, and Kentucky will have a program as long as Calipari's there. So, that's that's the that's the thing about this. It 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 felt good when you hit send on that video. We'll see if it still feels good 14 months from now or so when they got to play them with with perhaps very little in their in their pocket. Yeah, and the, the beat. Cal will certainly rub it right back in. Oh, right. no doubt. Might as well. That's all fair yeah. game too. Oh, now, yeah. This reminded me a little of um, obviously these are much bigger programs that command attention, but I remember Pat. Remember Pat Kennedy, the old uh, coach Florida State. He coached. Oh yeah, DePaul, he coached Montana. Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> well, we're back in the early. 80s he was the coach at Iona and he used to he would get together with like whoever was coaching Manhattan or writer or somebody in Man in New York City and they try to stage a feud <laughs> he'd say <laughs> to get great. so they could get some coverage in the New York Post and the Daily <laughs> News and stuff that's <laughs> tremendous let's get let's get something going and get in the papers like it only helps us <laughs> Yeah, no, that's right. what you got to do in the MAAC. Right. <laughs> like, we're not getting the back page against the Yankees and the Giants unless we do something here. So let's pretend we're fighting. So we, they get some scraps going and, uh, you know, add a little juice to the rivalry. And it's like, yeah, 1982, I own a Manhattan game or something. It was a big. <laughs> Tremendous. Big, yeah. Tremendous. Uh, yeah, might as well. Right. Might as well. So uh, good to see. Yeah, it's see? always. I always said about like Rutgers. The only time they're getting in the the New York papers is when something goes wrong. So, yeah, yeah. You know. New York's team when when it's yeah. all bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, hey, uh, regular listeners of the pod, remember last year, Fat Bear Week. Yeah, remember this Fat Bear Week. Uh, these are the the bears of where is this thing? Where it's, are they? Uh, in it Alaska? Some they're Alaskan like they... national park. Pig out on the salmon run. Yeah, well, they they have pictures of the fat bears of this Alaskan national park, and then you can vote uh, to see who will win. They break it down sort of like NCAA tournament uh, style. <laughs> yeah, who will bracket. win the fat bear contest? Who's the fattest bear? Now, last year's champion, Holly, uh, is back. Holly is... Uh, is the uh, 2009 Fat Bear Week champion. And uh, she's back looking to defend the title. Looking plump, according to this picture. I got to say, <laughs> even by her a, kid is also in the in the in the running this year, too. So she's got a she's got a little fat bear coaching. Tree going yeah, on. they say that her her offspring bear number 435 Holly's spring cub uh, is already packing on weight uh, and some other. So uh if you want to go, it's explore.org and look for Fat Bear Week. It's good times. You can meet the bears. You can you can kind of <laughs> bet on this or not really bet. But do we have a fat bear pick uh, or uh, selection? We have pictures of these bears. Yeah. Uh, who got... are you taking? And is there anything better than Fat Bear Week? 
Love Fat Bear Week. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, I, I, did, I have to point out the missed opportunity of the segue here, though, Dan Wetzel. We go from the ever-plumping, fattening Lane Kiffin and the, the rebel website or the rebel mascots, the black bear, to, to fat bears here. Ah, I'm and sorry. That's okay. You know, that's why we're here. That's why it's the teamwork here. Teamwork okay. makes the dream work. I didn't, I'm not that good at this. If you hadn't noticed. <laughs> 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 but the bear I am picking, my bear that I am championing, I really wanted to go with Chunk just for the name because, you know, you got to love a bear named Chunk. But I am going with Walker. Yeah. Because have you ever seen a rear end as big as that bear? <laughs> My God. Go go look it up. Explore.org. No, 151 Walker. <laughs> like if Vince Wilfork were a bear, that's what his butt would look like. As that, that, absolutely that, massive. This is so not I'm, a flattering pick of Walker. <laughs> I think it's really it's not, unfair. Not, not slimming. No. If you posted no. this of your friend on uh, Instagram, <laughs> there would be like all hell would like. If a woman posted another one of like, how could you put that's my fat? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Walker looks absolutely one. massive in this picture. Yeah. And he's They're on the like prowl. 1,200 pounds. So, yeah. Um, Wa Walker is my bear. He hangs out in Brooks Falls and prefers to fish in the far pool. He's fully grown. Yeah. Boy, is he. Yeah. Full grown man. 1,200 pounder. Yeah. Estimated. Can't get those guys on a scale. All right, no. Pete, you, you have a selection for Fat Bear Week. Yeah, I'm going with Chunk. Like, let's not overthink this here. Let's not start body <laughs> typing and looking for three techniques. It's going to be Chunk. It's going to be Chunk all the way. Chunk obviously casts a huge figure, but he's got a uh, he's got a he's got a nice soft bracket with Holly sitting there against him in the uh, in the Elite Eight. And uh, I really I really think Chunk is going to uh, Chunk is going to roll to victory. When when is the reveal? When are we getting the reveal? October sixth is Fat okay, Bear so Tuesday. Next okay. week we'll we'll have. All right, yeah, we'll I have got I have got the selection, and I feel very I feel very good about this. Mm -hmm. uh, seven forty seven bear seven forty seven. First off, <laughs> no. I, a apparently, plane? just coincidentally is named after a jumbo jet. <laughs> Have you seen seven forty seven? I'm scrolling. I'm looking. I'm low. My oh my god. Yeah. Wow. This Holy thing is a, it is massive. Estimated fourteen hundred pounds. Oh, oh. Most bears recognize. They cannot compete with him physically, and they yield space upon his approach. When he shows up in Brooks Falls, even uh, even your selection, Pat, runs. Yeah, Walker. Yeah. He is a skilled and efficient angler, mm. found most often in the jacuzzi of this thing. <laughs> I think 747 is the bear to go with here, so... Mark Why these don't you down. do this research for the games we picked, Dan? You wouldn't be 7 and 16. <laughs> this is like the most detailed analysis you've given on anything all year. Damn right. Because <laughs> this is important. <laughs> His belly's like dragging the snow. You I know? Mean, yeah. It's impressive. That, I mean, 747 is just mammoth. Woo. All right. So there you go. There's our selections. You can play along. Please uh, check it out. You can tweet at us your selections on uh, Fat Bear Week. All right, it's race for the case time. Before we do that, we're not going to pick this game because I don't think there's a spread uh, at uh, BetMGM or anything like that. But uh, 
but most fascinating game of the year, one of the most fascinating games of the year, is the Central Arkansas North Dakota State game. North Dakota State has one game the whole year. This is it. They have one game. They also have an NFL quality quarterback in Trey Lance who will be playing in this game. And Pete, is like every NFL team going to be there? 20 teams, 26 scouts, which you have to, is a huge number, right? Like Alabama, LSU, you're going to get every team pretty much, you know, but it's a huge number because it's a pandemic. There ain't a whole lot of direct flights to Fargo. I talked to one scout this week who was like driving from, you know, like it's a hard place to get to. So, and quite quite frankly, if, you know, during sort of these austere scouting times, if you just drafted a, you know, if you just used a fourth pick of the draft and quarterback, you're not going to use scouting ammo to go, you know, if you if you could, if you just took Tua or uh, Justin Herbert, you know, I mean, if you just use draft capital, you're probably not going to go see him where in normal years you would. So North Dakota State is going to play in the spring. I believe the FCS title game is actually after the NFL draft. Um, if it's not after it's. When was the draft last year? It was like first week in May, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. right? First, second week. Like it might, might be the same day. It's right around then. And again, like the draft date, there was talk of pushing it back. That's less likely now, et cetera. But yeah, Trey Lance is, I mean, Darren, Daniel Jeremiah, a friend of the podcast, who I think does an excellent job for NFL Network breaking down the draft. He said he watched three games of Lance, three games of Trevor Lawrence, and obviously three games of Justin Fields. And he liked Lance best. He said, if you wow. didn't helmet scout, yeah, if you didn't helmet scout, he 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 liked him. Uh, he he liked him there. So yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating. Here's the most interesting subplot. And Pat, obviously, with his affinity about writing about interceptionless streaks, will appreciate this. <laughs> Trey Lance started every game last year as a redshirt freshman. Went 16 and 0, 28 passing touchdowns. He also had 14 rushing. 20 passing touchdowns, zero interceptions. So if he wins and doesn't throw an interception and declares to the draft like all the NFL expects him to, which is why they're going to Fargo. He could go seven. He could be undefeated and unintercepted and be <laughs> leaving college. That's an incredible stat. Awesome. Phenomenal. Love it. Yeah. One game. The one everything. The one game <laughs> yes. season. Roll it in, baby. Truly a one game season. Must win game. Yeah. Yeah. You either winless or you win. That's it. Oh, you're undefeated. Uh, yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Astoundingly, this game is not on TV either, right? I think it's on ESPN Plus. I was oh, told. You can always find it told. in there somewhere. All right. Yeah. ESPN. Yeah, gonna, something. It's 3:30 game. I'm going to flip it on at some point. Second yeah. screen it. Great, great deal. All right, let's get to the actual games we are going to pick. Yep. TCU at number nine, Texas. Texas given 11 and a half noon on Fox. We have a Sam Cooper Nugget. Uh, one of our beloved bloggers, TCU is 14 and six against the spread in the last 20 games. The road dog who uh, I mean, Texas was horrendous in its opener, uh, but it's not the last the first time that they've been horrendous in their opener uh, and they tend to come back and write the ship. So I'm going to say Texas writes the ship, wins the game, covers the number. Every piece of empirical evidence here points to picking TCU. They've straight up won five of six games against Texas. They're obviously very good against big spread numbers. Texas was great in its opener against UTEP. It was terrible. In yeah, its I, I'm opener. sorry. I, yeah. I forgot about the UTEP game because it just doesn't yeah. matter. So How yes. could you? How could you? <laughs> I'm UTEP sorry, three Mr. And UTEP. One. Three yeah. and one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They were nudged podcast, by 56 you know points that, right? in that in that one that they lost. A mere 56 point loss. That That's all that said. So like 
I there's no signs or signals that I should be picking Texas in this game. And I'm going to pick Texas uh, minus the 11 and a half only because TCU gave up 37 to a bad Northern Iowa team. I'm sorry, to a bad Iowa State team. I'm in FCS mode still from uh, from North Dakota State. And I really think if there's one thing Texas has shown it can do, it can score. And I just think, boy, this TCU program is starting to enter like that, like, do we worry about uh, Gary Patterson territory? You know what I mean? Like, they've just been slipping. They've been slipping. And, uh, you know, if they all of a sudden start 0-2 in, uh, in, in, in the Big 12, I think, again, they're not, he's not going to get fired. They're not going to run him out. But all of a sudden, it becomes it's going to become a problem. And so I think Texas figures things out a little bit and uh, it manages to win by two touchdowns. If there is a play in this game, I think it's the over. Uh, Pete alluded to it. Uh, big money is actually coming in on uh, the 62-and-a-half over. But um, uh, just to be a contrarian and get a game on Pat and Pete, I'm going to take the Horny Teds. TCU gave up 37 to Iowa State. Uh, I don't think they're going to stop Texas. I'll take Texas in that one. Lone Wolf for selling. Yeah, Lone Wolf at A&M at Alabama. We talked about it earlier, so let's give the pick. Negative 17 for Bama. Bama's given 17 at home. 330 CBS. Bama. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to give you the same amount of analysis there and say Bama. Yeah, uh, A&M tried to control the line of scrimmage and control the clock against Vandy, and they uh, did not look good doing it. So uh, Bama's going to boat race them early and often. Coach Saban owes me. He's going to cover <laughs> Bama. <laughs> sure, it's top of mind for him. Uh, number 25, Memphis at SMU. Juicy little game. Yeah. 3.30 on Saturday, ESPN2. Memphis is a two and a half point favorite. Sully, you start. Uh, Pete alluded to it earlier this week. Uh, I like I like SMU in the upset. Memphis hasn't played in a month, and that's not good when you're facing Shane Buchel in a loaded offense. Give me the ponies. Pat? Yeah, I know. I got to agree with you, with you exactly. Memphis is a completely unknown commodity because they haven't played in so long, and I have loved what I've seen out of SMU. They can run it. They can throw it. Very explosive offense. I think they went out right. We are the most boring podcast in American history. <laughs> uh, I, I think the thing that people underestimate when you miss games and you have outbreaks is the mispractice time and the miscontinuity. And you already have a new play caller at Memphis. You already have a new head coach. You already have a new defensive coordinator. You have all these unknown variables and you have no chance to develop rhythm, develop flow, develop identity. So whereas the ponies, man, they're just they're scoring like it's uh, like Camaros are on the line again, like it's the 80s. I, yeah, I'm surprised Memphis is the favorite here. That's uh, I mean, to take, I'll take SMU in points. I, I, you yeah. have no idea. How do you bet this game, really? Yeah, that's <laughs> a crapshoot. Do not I, bet. I would not. Game. You have no idea what Memphis is bringing to the table. I no. think it's worse to start and then stop for a month or yeah. three yeah. weeks or whatever they Absolutely. did. Absolutely. You know, no. I mean, I, I think that's even harder. So uh, SMU, right, this is boring. Uh, all right. <laughs> number number 18, Oklahoma. Oh, I didn't realize this, this is going to be my lock of the week. Uh, given seven at Iowa State, seven thirty on ESPN. Yeah, oh boy, I, w- I would like to pick Iowa State here, but I wouldn't. I th- their defense was not very good against TCU, and I think Oklahoma does what talented teams do when they get embarrassed. They turn around and play a lot better the next time out. They have more talent. Uh, they'll win and they'll cover the seven. My God, do I want to disagree with Pat at some point here? But uh, <laughs> I just, I mean, look, like. I, I watched that Louisiana game and uh, yeah. obviously like just Iowa State wasn't very good. Like they're just not that good. No. Um, and it, yeah, I, I, I can't I cannot muster like a rationale to uh, to, to pick out to pick Iowa State in this game. 
Lincoln Riley is 6-0 and coming off of a loss in his career at Oklahoma, and he's going to keep it going. Give me the Sooners. This was going to be my lock of the week. I think the Sooners are going to roll them. I think they're angry. They, 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 they are not a bad team. They played horribly down the stretch in losing to Kansas State. A bunch of gas. Uh, the offense stalled out. I think they're going to hang a ton of points on Iowa State. I, this this line was tantalizing. So there goes my lock of the week. But I'll take Oklahoma. So boring, boring, boring. When, when we all finish winless this week, our, our, listeners we are, our listeners who we've long encouraged to bet the opposite of our picks are really going to cash in. Yeah. Uh, uh, number seven, Auburn at number four, Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia's given six and a half, 730 on ESPN. Yeah, so I uh, I think that's a pretty big number. If there's one takeaway I have on Auburn Georgia, I think it's going to be a low scoring game. Uh, I think Georgia's defense is 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 very good, and I I am skeptical of their offense. Be they have uh, Matter Day five star uh, J T Daniels or the law firm Stetson Bennett. So I uh, I think Georgia wins, but I do think this is like a thirteen ten type game. I'm not sure what the over under is Sully. That's your territory, but I don't I don't see a lot of points here. So give me give me the Tigers with the points, Pat. All right, uh, give me the dogs uh, and lay the number. I you know I just think that they're they're better across the board than what Auburn is. Uh, the one thing Auburn had going for it from an offensive standpoint against Kentucky was Bo Nix throwing to Seth Williams, who's very good. But Georgia can counter with Richard LeCount, who's one of the best defensive backs in the country and certainly in the SEC. He had two interceptions in the opener against Arkansas. Uh, you put him on Williams. I think that limits what their offense is able to do. And the rest of the Georgia defense is damn good. Uh, probably not a lot of points, I agree, but there's enough points for Georgia to win by a touchdown. Oh, boy. Um I think Auburn's offense uh, was able to put up some points against Kentucky. Uh, also another good defense. So uh, give me Auburn. Keep it within a touchdown. Yeah, I'm going to make Pat the lone wolf on this one, lone dog. Uh, I'm taking Auburn. I I was impressed to get what they did against Kentucky. I was not impressed by Georgia until late quarterback concerns. Uh, I'll take six and a half. That's, that's, that's kind of nice. So Auburn is my pick. All right, lock of the week time of the remaining games. Pat, we'll start with you. Who do you got? Yeah, uh, my lock of the week last week was the biggest rocking chair victory I've ever had, probably, for the lock. I I had uh, Tulane giving three and a half to Southern Miss, and they won by like 40, scored 65 or something like that. So I'm going to continue to pick against Southern Miss, uh, who I think is in complete chaos and in disarray that we we've we have their you know we've talked about their lovable 30-year-old coach plenty, but he's also a 30-year-old coach at Southern Miss. Uh, they're playing North Texas, who certainly has not been great so far, but North Texas is only giving one and a half, according to what I've got here. Sully, what do you got? One and a half. Yeah, one and a half. Whatever the – if it's below a field goal I, on yours, and since you are the official keeper of the numbers, then I'm all about the mean green to beat Southern Miss and cover. Pat, uh, Pete? You know, I am going to uh, go against some podcast instincts here and uh, go with podcast favorite whipping boy Tulsa getting mm. 22 and a half against UCF on the road. Tulsa, mm. uh, I had the misfortune of watching far too much of their opener against Oklahoma State, which I believe offended all of our football sensibilities because they could because uh, they could not actually get a play in uh, mm -hmm. Sean McDonough's mockery of their inability to execute. 
basic offensive situations out of dead balls was really bad. So all that said, the one takeaway I had from that game was like, Tulsa had some pretty good corners. Like they really pushed around uh, some very good skill players from Oklahoma State. And they had like, for the first time in Philip Montgomery's time, they're like seemingly an actual competent defense. But I thought they had like, Two long, rangy NFL-looking uh, looking corners, and they beat UCF last year. Like, there's something to be said for understanding how to combat that system. So, um, yeah, it was 34-31. Pat just looked quizzically. I, I looked it back up. I thought it, and then uh, they did. So, anyway, uh, like, with three touchdowns to play with and at least a roster that should has slowed down one traditionally prolific offense and should be able to figure out how to slow down another, I will go with the Golden Hurricane as my lock of the week and immediately enter the field fetal position and regret. Uh, you haven't lived until you cheer for punts between two service academies um, from Sam Cooper's great early betting guide on uh, yahoo.com uh, unders are 35 nine and one in service academy games give me the under in air force navy this week at 47 and a half huh. interesting interesting What's that so you're thinking I mean, maybe air- learned how to tackle and air-, air force is playing literally one game this so far and it's going to be the only game till november when they play army right so i mean they they then and, and and they had like 30 players turn back so I mean, I looked at that and thought strongly about just picking Navy to cover the six and a half, but the under could be the play. All right. My new lock of the week, and uh, this one could have been it all along. Uh, did we not watch Mississippi State on Saturday? <laughs> Mississippi State. Now, they all have gotten, and, and I actually think this is where the COVID cuts down on the, like, they could have just spent the week partying. Yeah. But I don't think you, you, you can, right? I don't, it's just a lot harder. Uh, they are giving 17 and a half against an Arkansas team that got absolutely smoked in the second half once Georgia got its act together. And I think Mississippi State will roll. Pirates going to put up a ton of points. 17 and a half is going to be no problem. I mean, the over under here is 68 and a half. I, is someone expecting, what points are you expecting Arkansas to score here? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't get this. This just looks like a, that's just off kilter. So uh, I don't think Arkansas is going to score much of anything. I think Mississippi State is going to score a ton. So I'll take Mississippi State, giving the points they will cover, and uh, I'm going six and zero. I feel it. You know, it, it's, it's <laughs> you need it. You to, need to, it to, to add one last little football nugget in here. So I was texting with some coaches and some people in the Pac-12 as Mississippi State is uh, annihilating LSU the other night, and Bo Pelini and Ed Orgeron refused to give up like the pressiest press man coverage, and the teams that figured out. Washington State in the Pac-12, and Washington was one of them notably, but there there were others. They, they basically like dropped eight and just did goofy stuff and found ways to slow them down. Barry Odom, the old Missouri coach, is a very good defensive coordinator from his time at Memphis and Missouri, is the Arkansas defensive coordinator right now. I got a funny feeling old Barry ain't going to play press man. So again, I'm not I'm not predicting doom and gloom, but yeah, that'll that, be fascinating. Uh, that'll be a fascinating little fascinating little game. But I've just as as relentlessly successful as Leach was that week, I do think there are there have been shown to be schemes that don't have to have outlandish talent that can at least temper an unimpeded 623 march down the field, 623 yard march down the field. I'll take my chances. All right, is our uh, we get a rebuttal on my lock of the week? You know, <laughs> sorry, I just I, did I rebut your. <laughs> I was getting yelled at trying to talk about football, so I'm just no, not talking good. about football anymore. Football. Let's stick to toilet saying. flushing and bears. I'm so. already in last place, and then I do a lock of the week, and I get I get 
I get criticized for. That's all right. We'll see. I'm just Scoreboard. propping up NAD. That's all. I mean, if there's needs... been one. We've called very early that NAD was the way to get your kids' college tuition paid from this So podcast. far, so good. So far, yeah. so good. NAD is all rolling. Right. Keep subscribing, leaving us nice comments, and uh, sharing us on social media. We'll be back to overreact to all of this on Monday. Talk to you then.